have a word of prayer. And uh, then we will read the word of the Lord. Chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, verses 1 through 4. Father, help us. Help us to hear. Help us to have eyes to see. Father, move us that we may understand the urgency of the day. And yet, Lord, we may rest in the assurance that its conclusion is in your hands, that its path is in your control, and that, Father, we are here but servants of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Overwhelm us with that, Father, and overwhelm us with your presence, and, Father, overwhelm us with the amazing privilege of being a part of your kingdom, of worship unto you, and the furthering of your good news, the gospel, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you for drawing us. Thank you for supporting us. And Father, thank you for overwhelming us with your presence. In Christ's name, amen. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collection be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also... They will go with me. What we are looking at is Paul dealing with a collection. Now, we need to to understand that there is a specific context of this collection is being dealt with, but the principles that are given here are amazing, and they should be something that remain with us. And, and we looked at it and we kind of broke it down into these four, the purpose of giving, uh, and it was for the poor in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was struggling. It was a huge body of people, but upon their conversion into Jesus Christ and entering into his salvation, they would be ostracized from the Jewish community. And therefore, the church was in the process. The church in Jerusalem was taking care of 10,000 plus people. Yet, in that battle, the other churches were aware of the financial struggles uh, and we're meeting their needs. I've seen this church do it. We have met the needs of those struggling financially. We have helped met, met the needs of people who are in need of food, uh, and we've had no problems with it. Um, but there is a, a very important purpose behind this. First is taking care of the saints. When we think about taking care of the saints, normally we will sit and think, well, it's a spiritual side. But that's not what this text is teaching. The spiritual side has been dealt with, but he's also saying that there will come a time that we will have to assist one another with the physical side. Okay, now listen, be real careful about this. If people go out and bury themselves by bad stewardship, it does not necessarily mean that you help them. Sometimes you have to bury yourself in bad stewardship to understand the importance of stewardship. And you don't want to get in there and bail them out. Um, But it's stuff like that that when we look at it, there's times that through financial crisis, God gets people's, what I call it, the undivided attention. 
All right. And uh, I remember a dear brother of mine for years ago says the worst place for you to be is between a disobedient believer's rear end and God's hand. <laughs> okay. And you just don't want to be there. And you know what? I had wandered into that area a time or two and said, you know what? Make a note. Um, this isn't a good place. So, but there's times that through the saints that we are to care for one another. It should be a priority. But we also looked at it and said we should care for those who minister the word to us. What they have given to us in the eternal side, we should repay them with the temporal side. It's really, you don't muzzle the ox. Now, people will argue, well, this text has nothing to do with giving. Because, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Well, this is a one-time offering. No, it wasn't. Why? There's a pattern here to help those that are of the fellowship. I mean, we already looked at it in chapter 9 that you give. You give to those who minister to you in the Word. But there comes a time in the body of Christ, it is a family, we are connected together, that we will help one another with our physical needs. It's not that complicated. All right, and then we started looking at the principle of giving. And you kind of see that laid out in verse 2. And it says, you know what, when am I supposed to give? The first of every week. That is Sunday. Why? Basically what it says is that when you're drawing together to worship... You should give. You should worship in your giving. All right? So that's when. Where am I to give? To the treasury, to the tharsis, the treasury. Where is that? The church. That should be the primary and the focus that what we deal with. Jesus Christ died for the church. When Paul was going up to arrest Um, in Syria believers and he was persecuting the church and was carrying people off and having people killed. Okay, Jesus looked at him and says, why are you persecuting my church? That is not what he said. Why are you persecuting me? All right, you cannot separate the body of Christ from its Savior. All right, so when you give, you give to who? The body of Christ, the church, The treasury, that's where I am to give. Who is to give? (laughs) Only you who have. Okay, the have-nots do not have to give. Okay, there is no such a person on the planet earth as a have-not. You have, everybody has something to give. All right, so there's no exemption. All right, everyone gives. All right. How much? I have to go with King David on that. I will not give anything that it does not cause me sacrifice. That's where I leave it. And if you want more detail on that, that's three messages ago. Okay. We looked at last week, the reason for giving. Why? The reasons for giving is simple. It should be out of the flow of our life. I wonder if, you know, it's funny, they do surveys on everything. And then and, and they do it in the church too. But I wonder how many people in the body of Christ today can say that my giving is of the forefront of my thinking processes through the course of a week. 
How much time do I spend thinking about giving to the treasury of the church? That's just a question. Don't raise your hand or don't say, you know, I ain't listening to him no more. Um, and, and the reason is, is that he says, I don't want any collections made when I come. I don't want to have to have some kind of emotional thing to stir you up about giving. I just want you to give. Why? Out of the flow of your life. You know, I know churches today that at every time that they come together for corporate worship, they take up an offering. Whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays, if they have corporate worship, then they say it is our responsibility to give the people the privilege to worship and giving every time we come together to worship. It's an interesting concept if you think about it. Because the truth of the matter is, giving is what? An act of worship. It's an act of worship. And, and I think that we miss this at times, um, and, and, it's, and it's kind of scary. But, you know, I see people, what I call goosebump giving. You know, show me some pictures of some starving kids or a building that ain't built or somebody's house burned down or, or you give me this or you give me that. And, and you see all of this stuff. And Paul says, that's not what we're about. That's not what we're about. Okay, and so what you see is the purpose of giving sets a foundation on here's the framework we're moving into. Then in these principles, the principles of when am I to give? Okay, uh, where am I to give? Who am I to give? How much am I to give? And what is this reasoning for my giving? And all of those will be summarized here in the end of verse 3, what I call protection. Protection. When you give, what are, what are we doing with the money? There needs to be some protection, don't you think? I mean, we've got, um, because of some of the past histories of the quote-unquote church, I'm not talking about Catholics or anything. I'm talking about evangelicals. We actually have a group out there now that is you give accountable to and you give your financial statements to and it's the Evangelical Financial Commitment Committee or something like that. And you'll see these little stickers on giving places so that the people are held accountable. Okay? And, and basically, they do it through accounting pra- practices. And you know what? There's a bunch. Listen, there's a bunch of crooks out there. I, I don't care who you are. There's there's just there's a bunch of them out there. And you know what? You guys should be asking yourselves, what are we doing with the money? Okay. If I put it in the treasury, where does it go? That's a good question. But it's fascinating if you look at how God sets it up. Um, you know, once you give it, once I put it in the hands of some people, this context says they're going to take it to Jerusalem. When I ask for the giving for the Russian summer camps, when I ask for the giving for Pastor Philip, um, what happens? 
Where does it go? How does it get there? Who's doing it? See, it's fascinating. Because look what it says here. When I arrive, what does he say about the money? This offering that is going to the poor in Jerusalem. It says, whomever you may approve. Who? The church. Okay? It's not an outside corporation. It is people that are accountable to who? The church. Now listen, let's be realistic. We've already studied this letter. This has got some screwed up people in it. And yet he says, when I come to take this offering and to collect this offering, the people that you approve, okay, they will be accompanied by letters that will state they are truly trustworthy people. From who? From the leadership of the church and from the Apostle Paul. Remember, when the Apostle Paul left Jerusalem, he says, you're right on, just don't forget the offering for the church in Jerusalem. And so when this offering would come back with these people, there would be a letter from the Apostle Paul saying, here is the offering that you told me I should send back to Jerusalem. See, the protection of giving is in the church. Listen, the money is cared for by those who have been approved by who? By the church. This is the godly, the honest people that God has placed in the body of Christ who are caretakers for the church. See, that's the issue that he's dealing with here in verse 3 is the protection. Where is the protection? within the walls of the church. See, that's the point that he's getting at right there. Think about it. Here's what he's laid out for you. As you and I give, we systematically, faithfully give into the treasury of the church. Okay? It is the church's responsibility to choose those godly souls who are to have the care for those funds. Okay, this is so fascinating and there's so much in this that we miss this. You know, we wait for the plate to come around or the box or the bag or whatever it is we do. Okay, and we just chuck it in there and then we blow it off. All right. And then you see this on a consistent basis. You've seen it across the country. And then all of a sudden this great scandal will erupt someplace where our millions or hundreds of thousands or whatever just did this or did just did that. And you just sit there and go, what? There is a law trying to be passed now on the East Coast. And I don't know if it's like Massachusetts or Connecticut or whatever that literally takes the church leadership out of control of the money. And the reason they want to pass that is because a pastor, it's Catholics, sorry, had it, took the church money and bought himself a condo down in Florida and a boyfriend. And he got caught. 
And the church has decided, you know what? We ain't going to let you have the money no more. We will have the congregation control the money. And I thought, boy, there's opening up a can of worms. Okay, now... We, I can sit and watch this, and I sit and understand this, but here's the problem. Why are there elders in a church? What is their job? You know what they call it? Overseers. I wonder what that means. In some cases, it doesn't mean anything. But the truth of the matter is, if you are an elder, you have oversight. Over what? Everything in the church. I have to be concerned about the spiritual condition and the financial condition. I have to understand where is the money. Now, we have put in place a whole bunch of safeguards. One of the safeguards is this. We have a deacon who can write checks. We have the secretary who can write checks and one of the elders. I can't write checks. Okay, and it's not that I'm not trustworthy, but you know what? It keeps me out of the mix, but it doesn't mean I still don't have oversight over the finances of the church. We make decisions on a daily basis about the finances of the church. It's me and Matt. All right, and then there's times when we may scratch our head and we'll drag Stephanie in. And Stephanie says, I ain't here. I just write the checks. And so then we start going out and we find other people. All right, but for the most part, the runnings of day to day of the church are done by me and Matt. I mean, and let's be realistic. There's some things that are just not that deep theological in their understanding. When you get the bill from IREA, what do you think you ought to do? Pray over it? <laughs> well, would you send him a note and say, brothers, we haven't decided yet that if this is God's will. Listen, I like this text because it says, whomever you approve. You know what that implies? That the body has watched the lives of these individuals and they are approved. Do you understand that? We have to look at this. And, and you know what's amazing about this? It is not, it is never based on man's understanding of finances. It is based on their spiritual condition. In the early church, who handled the money? When Barnabas sold his land and he brought all the proceeds in, who did he lay it? The apostles. Were they the businessmen? No, they weren't. Peter wasn't a businessman. He wasn't even a good fisherman. I mean, the closest thing that you could have in the apostles that would classify as a businessman would be Matthew. And you know what he did for a living? He was a tax cheat. That's what he did. He knew how to make money illegally. So that's it. You got some fishermen, you got some farmers, and they said, bring the money and put it where? At the foot of the godly ones. Why? They will be trusted with it. 
Now listen, the church bloomed and it grew and started getting huge and all the rest of it. But you know what? They never gave to those who didn't have spiritual qualifications. In Acts chapter 6, the church is getting so huge and they've got so many widows are coming in and all the rest of it. They said, you know what? We need to be giving ourselves to prayer and the word. Right? So let's go get the financiers. Let's go get the bankers. Let's go get the business savvy guys and let them take care of the dealings with it. No, they wanted to set up an office and they called it deacons. Diakonos means servant, a table waiter. Okay? And they were given a charge over the money. Okay? How were they picked? They were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. That was the qualifications to handle the money. So do you see something there? I'm thinking that God kind of protects this stuff. If we do it the way He says to do it. You don't give it to those who have a banker's degree or a financials degree or have some kind of economic finances, backgrounds. You don't give it to those. That does not qualify you to take care of God's treasures. What qualifies you? Full of spirit, full of faith. How do you know that? You witness it. You see it. You see it in lives. You see it in communications. You see it in talk. You see it as a constant pattern of their life. That's why he says, don't be quickly to lay hands onto a person for, for, to be an elder. Why? Do you realize what you're doing? They need to show a habit of walk. They've got to show a way of life. They've got to show godliness. And you know what? You can fake it for a little bit. But it says, if you, whomever you may approve, Paul is saying, that one that is in your midst, that looks worthy of such a task. We have qualifications to step into this position. You know, man, I have seen this so many times. We were guilty of it many years ago. Many, many years ago, probably 20 years ago, is that we had a group of deacons that would handle um, the spiritual side. And then we had a group of financial guys that would handle the money. Okay, and it was because they were in the business world. And, and, and I see this across the boards, brothers and sisters. I see this everywhere. And yet the spiritual guys would determine this is what God wants to do. And the financial guys would see if they have the ability to support it financially. Well, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard of in my life. And yet I watch it today and it is the normal operating procedure for the body of Christ in this community. We have been blessed. This body of people has been extraordinarily blessed. We have had people move in and out of the financial positions here for the last 15, 20 years, 17 years. And the people that God has brought in, they have been godly. 
they have been full of the faith and they've been full of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? You could trust them without a doubt and you didn't even have to lose sleep over it. And I do not. That is the normal pattern. And it isn't because we went around and said, now I need to fill out a survey here to find out who can, who can't. Can you add or can't you add? You know, it's God created calculators. All right, but you find those people who are walking spirit-filled and they have this ability. That's the way God set it up. Why? They're sensitive to what God is doing and then they're minding the treasury so that it is accountable. What I see today just doesn't make sense. I don't understand it because there is a protective mechanism that has already been established in the body of Christ and yet we do not utilize it. I've never, I just, it's mind boggling to me. Go look at the qualifications of an elder. Just go look at it. And then, you know what? Go look at the qualifications of a deacon. The only difference is one has the ability to teach. So you have one group who have what? Oversight. Why? They are spending time in the Word so they know what the Word says so that they can look at everything that happens through the grid of Scripture. And then you have another group of people who are actually the same qualifications, but they don't teach and they are doing everything through the grid of Scripture. What an interesting concept. I mean, have you ever thought about it? We always talk about the uh, spiritual warfare and we put on the armor and all the rest of it, right? And everybody got the helmet and the breastplate and the seal. What's our offensive weapon? The word of truth. That's fascinating. That God says the one thing that will protect you, the one thing that will defend you, the one thing that sets out there and works for you is what? The word. And in, by doing that, you are now protected. Well, we have started an organization that gives accountability through the accounting process. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Who was the accountant for Peter? I can tell you who it was. Holy Spirit. He does a real good job. I mean, boy, talk about a security system. And I, I don't understand why we don't look at that. I don't understand why we don't bow to that. And I don't understand why the body of Christ neglects that. And then they have these great scandals and everybody says, well, how did that happen? I can tell you how it happened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. We were warned. You know what? Let's be realistic. What does God do that he doesn't have enough money for? Just a question. It's just a question. The key is you and the congregation and the flock, right? Do you trust those that God has put in leadership over you? Or are you so smart that you think you got it figured out and then I have to ask one question? Then why are you in sin? Because you haven't stepped up to lead. And yet, you know what? I see 
a plethora of people who say, I don't trust them. Let me tell you something. If you don't trust the leadership of the church, get out of that church. Run. It's that simple. Go away. That, uh, listen, you don't give money to anyone who is less spiritual than the leadership because then you just created a bottleneck. And yet I see churches that do this on a regular basis. You will have the spiritual leadership and then you have those people in finances. Okay? You know what? That's going to lead you into trouble. Because the people in finances should be spiritual leaders. You know, what? one of the things that I have been blessed, and I, I really wish I could get you guys to go with me, but it'd be crowded. Um, our dealings with SGA, okay? Um, <laughs> every time that I go up there, you know, I have those meetings that I go to in, usually in November. And... Uh, they basically take me through every nickel, dime, and penny. This is what you guys have done. You know what's really cool about it? They have a, a, an accounting department, accountants, CPAs. You know what's really bizarre about it? There's four of them. Okay? Four of them, CPAs. All right? And they are the typical, ooh, okay? Just, you know them kind of people, what I'm talking about? CPA people, you sort of. You like numbers, huh? I like basketball. <laughs> anyway, um, three of them are pastors in local churches in the community. Okay? And the third is a pastor's wife. Okay? And all the money that we do through SGA for Russia, guess what? They watch it like hawks. Right? So their spiritual level is where it needs to be, and they have this weird gene that makes them like numbers. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a defect somewhere, but anyway. But it's true. And yet you can sit and talk to these, and they get off on this. And, and um, Stephanie will attest if we send them something and they don't know exactly what it's for, instead of just lumping it, what do they do? They call us. They call us and they won't do anything until it is verified through us. They don't, quote unquote, assume. That's amazing. I walked in there in November and, you know, and I'm there I am, you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do next and all the rest of it. And the accountant lady comes up and says, I need to speak to you. I was like, oh, great. I said, I don't write checks. <laughs> and, and she says, you know, there was an extra... Forty some odd dollars here, and we don't know where it's supposed to go. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so I called Steph and says, "What are you doing to me? I was I ain't up here in Rockford to figure out checkbooks." So I mean, if you've seen how I did my checkbook, it would scare you. <laughs> But, but I share this kind of stuff with you because if you don't have the spiritual level on it, I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care what you do for a living. Listen, you always, 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 always put the funds in the hands of the godly. I remember, um, you may want to edit this, but anyway, I remember going to Russia my first trip. 
We had not had the banking system open to us. Okay, so we were moving money around by money belts. Okay, so, so I show up in uh, Moscow, and I'm getting ready to go down to Orel. I'm going to catch the overnight train and all the rest of it. And they said, well, we need to go over to the UECB offices um, and, and pick up some books, and, and we got to go. And I said, all right. <clears throat> so we show up there, and <laughs> this guy comes out, big old grin on his face like he's happy to see Moses or something in his hands. And he throws this big old money belt at me that must weigh five pounds. And I'm sitting there going, what the heck? And he says, here, you need to sign for this. I said, well, what is it? He says, it's money. <laughs> I like this job. <laughs> I show up, you give me big old bundles of money. <laughs> All right, and he says, this pays for the food and, and the stuff that we were going to be doing down in our time of teaching. He said, just sign for it. And then he gave me a letter. All right, and he says, give this to Valeri when you get there and give him the money bill. I, well, I said, well, what's in it? He says, $3,000. I said, dude, you don't even know me. He says, you wouldn't even be here if you weren't a man of God. Why? SGA's already set a precedence. We were there as a representative of Castle Rock Baptist Church and SGA. See how that works? All right, now since that time, we've gotten into the banking systems and we're allowed to do it. And, and we move money through the banks of Russia. All right? And, but at that time, we weren't allowed to move the money. It, it was literally against the law. They, you can't do it. If you wanted to put 3000 American dollars in the Russian bank, you just burned $3,000. You ain't seeing that $3,000. You ain't getting a receipt for that $3,000. So, eee. All right, so what do you do? You put the funds in the hands of the godly. All right, and part of what we did, you know, I asked Stephanie about this. I said, wait a minute, if I'm supposed to put the funds in the hands of the godly, how come I can't write checks? <laughs> that seems to be odd. And she looked at me, she said, I'll go get the paperwork, and you can sign. No, 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 wait, <laughs> that, that ain't what I, what I want to do. And the reason I do that is for my protection, Okay, first and foremost, and for your protection. All right? I, we've got Matt, I, Al's on it, and Stephanie's on it. Dude, that's fine. You know what? When we were doing the remodel for here, okay, when we had $125,000 in cash and, what was it, 60 days, 90 days to get this building done. I wrote all kinds of checks, but it was off of a construction account. Why? Who was doing the bulk of the work? I was. And if I needed parts, I couldn't be trying to track down Willie or, or somebody to, I need these parts. I just went and did it. All right? And yet I had to turn in all these receipts and it drove a number of different people crazy because I would walk in with big old wads of papers and there you go. <laughs> so my accounting practices, I do not have the CPA gene. <laughs> so... But do you understand that? Paul sits here, whomever you may approve. Listen, have you ever thought about this? Hebrews 13 says that the elders do what? Take care of your souls. Right? Have you ever thought about that? That's one of the, that, 
text makes me madder than anything else in Scripture. Because it tells me I can't do anything for any of you, and yet I have to give an account for the souls entrusted to me. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) I can't change him. Why is it my fault? But have you ever thought about that? Listen, if you had a doctor, okay, let's say you was having some medical problems, right? Yeah, it's just some little problems, all right? And you kept going to a doctor that you found out that every time he operated, he operated on the wrong organ. Right? You know, I had a gallbladder and he removed my pancreas. Or I had this and he removed that. And you know, I was going to have tonsils and he cut my leg off. And you found out that this is just how he does it. Okay, let me ask you a question. How many times would you go back to him? Right? Let me ask you this question then. If I am going to take care of your soul and yet I don't know how or what the implications are or how to share the gospel or how to test if it's saved or what the sacraments are or what the body of Christ is or the doctrine of salvation is or the doctrine of God is or the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is or what spiritual gifts are or what worship is. Why would you trust me with anything? And yet the person who's dealing with your eternal destination or the person who's taking care of your physical condition, which one is most important? So Paul is sitting here saying, these funds need to go to someone that you see that has a proven track record of godliness. You know what a proven track record is, right? Some time. Some time. Do you understand how insane this is? This is, some, this is just a pet peeve of mine. Okay? You have a congregation of people. Okay? I don't care how big a congregation is. You have a congregation of people and they have a shepherd. Okay? Technically, they should have a plurality of shepherds. Right? Men of God. Right? All of a sudden, the one who's been set aside to preach and teach and prayer, he leaves. What is the normal operating procedure to fix that situation? Yeah, you put, you go get a stranger. You go get a stranger. And say, here, take care of my eternal destination. Please. Do you realize how insane that is? I mean, let's be realistic. If you go to a doctor, before you get into, let's see, I'd like to remove your stomach or something. You spend a little time with him and say, you're clueless, dude. Or dudette. You know, I I get nervous. You're a doctor? Wait a minute. (laughs) But do you see what I'm trying to express? The normal operating procedure that the Bible says is what? You train up your replacement. You know what? This church did that. 
<laughs> you got the short end of the stick, but that's, that's I don't know what you guys did wrong. <laughs> but I was trained up. I came from within. You know, people say, well, why don't you look? I don't want to go nowhere else. Why? I was trained up for this place. Why? I can look at some of you and say, you know what? We got 20 years of walking together. Listen, if you don't trust me at 20 years, I'm going to have to ask this one simple question. Why are you still here? Okay, and it isn't because that I'm just this great, massive, trust me kind of guy. It is a matter that we have been together, we have walked together, and we labor together. And guess what? We're stuck with each other. <laughs> I guess that didn't sound real spiritual, did it? But you see what I'm trying to get at? I watch people who will bounce around and do this and check out this and try this and try that and all the rest of it. You know what? I don't trust them. That sounds awful. But I don't. Why? If you can't commit, I don't need no part of you. Okay? And you know what I've learned the hard way? I can't make anybody commit. Paul says here, I want you to find the people. You know who's walking. You know who's spirit-filled. You know who is full of the faith. You know the ones who have a greater fear of God than a bag of money. You find the people, and we'll get the letters together. We'll get some letters from your people. I'll write a letter, and we'll send it with the money. Let it be entrusted to the godly of the fellowship. True? See, it is prayerful and the energy of the Holy Spirit determined that protects us. You pray. You know what? Uh, we deal with this at different times. I've had different people, uh, if you want to use the term treasurer, or whatever, who did the finances of the church, basically. And you know what? Every time that we had these godly people in this position, we prayed, you know, for whatever reason, that they were getting ready to move on to a, to a different place. Um, and, and, and we prayed. And, and we knew that this was vital. And we wanted people who walked in a manner worthy of the calling. And you know what? God always gave us. Every single time. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Listen, i got to be honest with you. I have a hard time giving to a church if I didn't believe that godly, godly people were caring for the funds I was giving. It's just that simple. Now, maybe you're braver than me. But if they're not godly people taking care of the funds, I'm going to have a hard time given my funds. You know, I know a situation right now. A person is attending a church and he doesn't trust the leadership and so he's paying out ministries that he thinks is worthy. Okay? I got a problem with that. I, I got a big time problem with that. Alright? Uh, and I don't even know where to begin with the problem. If you don't trust the leadership... Leave, flee, <laughs> go, Woo-hoo. run, 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 run. Okay? 
And it is not your responsibility to figure out what ministries ought to be picked up. Who does that? The church does it. You know why? (laughs) Because it'll protect you. Kind of funny, huh? You know what? You see people have to give to these missions companies or do they have the EEC use some accountability thing on the rest of You know why you have to have that? They're not a church. They're not a church. It's that simple. And you probably ought to have somebody watching it. Okay, whereas if you have a church, you can look around and say, you know what, such and such is doing the money and such and such. You know, I don't even count the money. And Stephanie tell you, if you've seen him count, you wouldn't want him. Okay, (laughs) 11, 12, Uh oh, it's more than 10. (laughs) We're in trouble. (laughs) Okay, 10 to the 34th power. Anyway, uh, do you see what I'm trying to get at? I don't count the money. I get a statement, okay, monthly. Here's what came in. Here's what we spent. Here's what our expenses are. Here's what we budgeted, da 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 all the rest of it. But then we get hit on a regular basis with people needing groceries or, um, you know, that we got two hotel rooms for a bunch of college kids a couple of weeks ago, and, and we just took care of those. Those come in, we take care of them, okay? But there's daily expenses. I mean, again, you get your Quest bill or whatever phone company we've got, uh, it comes in, you don't, well, let's pray over it. No, <laughs> you just pay the thing, okay? Um, well, but he said, I'm trying to get at, I can't write the checks. Why? It is, I don't want no part of it, to be honest with you. You know why? I prefer to give myself to the word and prayer. Okay. Now there are certain things that I take care of. I am the light bulb master. Uh, I know a good deal on a light bulb when I find one, (laughs) and and stuff like that. But the truth of the matter is, you see how it works. And you know what, brothers and sisters, I would give anything if this group of people would understand how blessed. This body has been and the people God has raised up to take care of our funds. And, and it's been across the board. It's, um, I think I've got 15 years as a senior pastor and I think I had five before that, four or five as associate and an elder. So 20 years. And since that 20 years, this congregation has been blessed by the people who are in charge and account for the finances of this church. And I I would give anything if you guys could be aware of just how lucky you've been. Because God has blessed this congregation with godly people to care for the treasury so that this church keeps going. It's amazing. I have, watched, I have literally watched people walk out of here mad at me and tell me, I don't know how you guys are going to keep going because I'm taking my offering somewhere else. And whatever. 
Okay? And they've said that for a lot of years. And, you know, I still don't know how we keep going. <laughs> but it's just a miracle. Okay? And I, I just want you guys to know. Because I have been truly blessed to be among some of these people. And, and it goes through across a, a whole bunch of years. It's, it's just not, it's just not just the group that we've got right now. You know, I think of Dan Hallgarth and Hank Smith and I just can go back down the line, man. And I just sit there and think these people are more concerned about the things of God than they are what's going on. And they are proving themselves worthy day in and day out. But that's the systematic giving that he says here. As I come and worship first of every week, I worship in my giving. Knowing that I'm laying it in the tharsis, the treasury of God's work. And it is guarded. It is protected. As Paul says here, whomever you approve. And you know what? Over the years, we have, we've, you know, I, I, I try to tell guys, we don't ordain. We prayerfully appoint. God ordains. And so far, we've been really good at finding the ones that God has ordained. And he's been so faithful. And I really wish that you guys had an idea how protected you are when you have people who are seeking the face of God. Listen, not the hand of God, the face of God. Because if I seek his face, then I know that I've got his hands. I see too many people out there right now who are trying to do things for Jesus and hope that he helps. Whereas this church has a fundamental practice of what would you have us do? And we'll stand here until you show us what to do. And you know what? You look at our ministries. You look at what we've been able to accomplish. Listen, this is it. I have watched this church for 20 years. And after we went through that kind of bumpy time. All right. After we did that, you know what? Our numbers haven't gone up and ain't gone down. If I lose a family, we gain a family. If we lose two, we gain two. And you know what? He has provided that our ministries have expanded even in a recession. What a deal. And you know why? He gave you some overseers who understand that their job is oversight. And he's given a group of godly servants to be the next layer that says, you know what? <laughs> Watch these goofy overseers now uh, that do the work. And we have been blessed. We have been blessed. So when you think about this, the purpose of giving and the principles of giving, when you are doing them in the line that God has laid out, then guess what? You are protected in your giving. And you know what? This congregation has been protected in so many ways. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us faithful people that are approved. Father, who walk in your righteousness, who seek your righteousness, who seek your kingdom. Father, who are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, you have blessed us over and over and over and over again. You have protected us in so many ways, Lord, 
that I will never know the full impact this side of glory. But I thank you. I've seen your hand. This congregation has seen your hand in so many ways that it is... uh, I have no words, my Father, my King. Lord, may we rest in the assurances that you shall build your church and the abode of the dead will not even slow it down. Help us to rest in that assurance. Help us in this day and age, Father, to drink deep of you and you alone, to depend on you and you alone. And Father, to rest in the assurances that regardless of what we see going on, it is all right on plan, and right on schedule. Thank you, Father, for these precious souls. Father, their faithfulness, those who have fought long and hard, shoulder to shoulder for years now, and Father, the new ones that we have, that Father, they may, uh, they may be strengthened for the battle that is at hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.